Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we're going to go back and we'll talk about a little AEW Grand Slam. We're going to talk about all things New Japan and WWE. Is Chris Jericho the GOAT? Is ROH getting a TV deal? That and a whole bunch more this week on the Band from Ringside podcast. to fill live hello marks and welcome to another edition of the band from ringside podcast i'm your special guest host jason cornelius bell aka the hammer not the nail and out there in portland oregon bfr west country my man my negro you know him you love him we're gonna call him five beer two beer zach pullman what's going on five beer two beer what's going on tell me something good you are like prescient my friend because five beer is exactly accurate for right now i mean by the end of this we'll see like how many that we uh end up at but five beer is where it's at so uh r.i.p and shout out to our normal quarterback uh bfr bill veggie uh i regret to inform you that he is suspended indefinitely from bfr podcast uh thanks to his egregious comments towards uh, the one Mad King, Eddie Kingston. And uh, he's going to go through some sensitivity training before he can come back. Uh, I don't think he's going to complete it in a timely fashion. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if he's back next week. But uh, Absolute we just can't. fucking bullshit. This aggression will not stand. Bullshit. It will not stand. I, I agree with the Shubiri. I think it was between myself and I, and I think we, there has been other occasions in the past where – we had to edit a podcast and pull him aside afterwards and kind of, you know, let him know that this type of uh, behavior wouldn't be tolerated any longer. And last week's tirade, I think, was, like I said before. Absolute fucking bullshit. Unprofessional bullshit. And it just won't be tolerated. So in that scenario, we just had to tell Bill, take a couple of plays off go with your wife, and go celebrate your 10-year anniversary. So that's really the big deal <laughs> is Bill <laughs> this week is celebrating his 10-year anniversary with his lovely wife, Erin. So shout out to Bill and Erin. Happy 10-year anniversary. I hope you guys are having an amazing time. We will see Bill, <laughs> obviously, next week. But Also, uh, I do want to apologize finally 10 years later for not attending that wedding because you know. uh, my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter, uh, was born the day after his wedding and my wife was uh it was decidedly not good that day and even though Aaron and Tara are first cousins and Bill is my boy and has actually gotten to be much more uh one of my best friends now 10 years later but uh yeah like it was uh it was a problem uh 10 years ago today my wife was in our tiny bathroom with the hot shower running not in the shower just trying to like create like a humid situation for herself because she was having problems breathing and she was mm. like a day away from having our daughter. The shit was absolutely wild and uh, I'm sure it was only partly as wild as Bill's uh, amazing ceremony with uh, with Aaron. Oof. So wish I could have been there. 
Sounds like you weren't there either. I can't even ask you how it was. No, I was <laughs> like, you cannot. <laughs> I, say, I have no idea, but I know I was just getting ready to say if I know my boy and I know my girl, that recession. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Straight up train wreck. So on that level, we know I will ask the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Van for Ringside Podcast, Volume 275, Chapter 3, Verse 14. And the good smart saith, hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. A lot of t- stuff to talk about. Nothing too crazy. We're going to try to keep this thing moving along so that way we can uh, establish the fact that I can do and, uh, well, I can say, shouldn't say I, but myself two beer we could talk about the week in wrestling in under two hours or less so on that lovely note we're gonna kick this thing off starting with that three count two beer what's the one count one count's gotta be aw grand slam i mean really like you think i was gonna pick anything else <laughs> uh, like this was a pay-per-view level card on a wednesday night and again like i'll just expound man like this is the kind of shit you remember like so now we talk about nxt in the past tense like the golden years right where right. it's like the literal black and golden years like black and gold and right now bookers burn out eventually and tony khan will burn out he's also doing like four other full-time jobs as a multi-billionaire here dude's gonna burn out i'm just cherishing aw being good while it is right. <laughs> i know it's not gonna be good forever but God damn it, last night it was good. And uh, we got back, we got down to brass tacks. We got down to a really solid wrestling show. Five championship matches, three championship title changes. Just absolute uh, professional bullshit <laughs> is what we had going on. <laughs> so, um, you silly as hell. <laughs> this thing started out with Chris Jericho versus Claudio Castagnoli. And, um, you know, Going into this, this is a very intriguing match. Because um, not only were we at Arthur Ashe Stadium, there was like a huge crowd, uh, over 12,000 people, like almost 13,000 people. They shot it really well. It was also like an incredibly hot crowd. So mm. I say this not as just like a wrestling nerd where I'm like, oh, I'm really excited about this on paper. The, the crowd was great, and their presentation of it was great. Um, this is a really good show, and it starts out with, with this match. And this was a main event level match. This show was bookended by fantastic matches which is a theme of quality aw television uh dynamite is usually the ones that we talk about being the best they're bookended by these awesome shows and that was tonight or last night and um yeah uh, chris jericho goes over claudio castagnoli after a variety of stuff i mean this was a really solid match we had interference or you know not necessarily interference but uh carrie silken entered the fray got mm. knocked down uh we got to meet carrie silken at the first star cast uh didn't get him on the pod unfortunately but um but yeah uh super cool guy uh took took a bump uh right after having neck surgery but this thing did not end cleanly it ended with uh jericho getting a low blow on claudio and then hitting the judas effect uh effectively becoming an eight-time world champion and I know the big talk right now is ROH television because this does seem like the move that you would make if you are trying to close a television deal. Because what did Tony Khan do whenever 
he was trying to get an AEW television deal. We had Double or Nothing that we all went to Joey's house for. Great pay-per-view show, but it could have been like all in. It could have been like a pay-per-view show and then nothing. But they closed out the TNT television deal because they made Chris Jericho the champion. So interested to see if this was a move designed to put over ROH as a brand or if it was just Chris Jericho politicking being like, hey, uh, me and Moggs are like, the coolest guys you have in the right. locker room and we're the guys that you can absolutely depend on. So Claudio is a great wrestler. I don't think he loses anything and losing to Chris Jericho. Um, he's not going to be any, any less over. I thought what he did coming in being an ROH champion was perfect, but I think that this was also a good move, especially if you're trying to differentiate ROH as a brand and, and uh, put it on a pedestal uh, because right now it kind of feels very secondary to AEW, which means that it's tertiary to WWE, which in folks' minds is either the third or fourth or fifth, depending on what kind of wrestling that you like to watch and what wrestling you consume, wrestling brand. So uh, what, what do you think? Um, I thought the match itself was good. Um, it kind of caught me by surprise that uh, Aubrey Edwards was the, uh, the the guest, not the guest referee, but the, uh, the referee usually it's – you know, you have the ROH match, you have the ROH official, you know, uh, Bobby Cruz, the ring announcer. So it kind of, for me, that the guy that's watched ROH up until the point where, you know, they, they didn't do any more, you know, week-to-week programming, you know, that's a nice little throwback to me. So that was like the first thing I thought about. And I was like, well, you know, so apparently, you know, you're going to have some sort of beef between Jericho and Aubrey. That's just what they do. Um, the first attempt at low blow, I saw it and I was like, and I tweeted it. I was just like, man, you know, that's somehow, some way this low blow is going to come back and Jericho is going to actually connect on it. And in classic fuckery fashion. And the great part about the whole thing, the irony, I guess, is the better choice of words is that Jericho wins by some fuckery, low blow, Jewish effect. You know, Aubrey doesn't see anything. You get the, uh, the three count. And I was kind of waiting. I'm like, okay, so nobody's going to come down. You know, I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens. Daniel Garcia seemed less than enthused about uh, Chris Jericho winning. So if you just kind of close your eyes and think about, you know, the champions in ROH, Jericho's now the ROH champion. Daniel Garcia is your pure champion. And uh, Samoa Joe is your uh, TV champion. And FTR is now the, uh, or now the tag team champions. If you wanted to try to make a deal with Warner is the the name I could keep hearing come up in a yeah, possible... Tony doesn't seem like he, in the interview that I've heard with Tony, he has no inclinations towards making a separate deal uh, outside of Warner Media. So anything I feel like he's dealing with with ROH, like he's gunning for something with Warner. So in that scenario, you can come to Warner and say, hey... These are your champions. Daniel Garcia, not necessarily a household name, but he, I think at some point he eventually will be. You can come to them and say, you know, you got a, a pretty solid roster, well, not even a roster, but, a, you know, a stable of champions for a lack of a better term and kind of go that route. The only person I can even say that, if someone should be mad, Jonathan Gresham is probably breaking furniture watching this shit unfold. 
that poor bastard carried this company through. And I, and I rambled on John, Jonathan Gresham before, and then I'm, I'm going to do it right now for 30 seconds. If I was Jonathan Gresham, I'd be hotter than fish grease. So let's get did this. He, did he want to lose to Chris Jericho, too? No. <laughs> I'm just, I'm <laughs> <joking>. <laughs> I'll say it helped his P, PWI 500. No, I actually have been outside of that time frame, but neither here nor there. I mean, I just, like I said, that was – I wasn't too surprised – Honestly, that Jericho won, it was always the possibility because especially when you got the JAS kind of lingered around, it could easily happen. So in that scenario, the fuckery wasn't a surprise. It was just, you know, how is it going to happen and, you know, was it going to actually count? I kind of feel bad for Claudio a little bit, but, you know, like you said, he became a champion. But this is where I wish ROH had their own weekly programming so that way – Claudio could have had more of a, you know, a run, you know, kind of work with this character. Other guys, too. You know, Dalton Castle has been on, a, like, dark elevation the last couple of weeks. You know, Ring of Honor is his home. And uh, I think it, it's kind of important that's, to get. That's cool that he's been wrestling because I know he's got, like, a super bad back forever. I didn't even, I don't watch dark, so I didn't even know he was on there. I think Dalton Castle is, should be a highlight. I know that they're inundated with people on the AW roster, but if you're talking ROH, like Dalton Castle is a guy that's very ROH and he's awesome. I love him. I forgot about Mercedes Martinez as the women's uh champion as well. So I mean you know there's there's a lot of possibilities and I've said it before that, you know, this is a this is something I think even if it started on YouTube and just you know, kind of got the ball and rolling from there. I think it's it's now starting to get important to where, especially if Jericho is going to be the champion for any length of time, where you can start separating the brands and have AEW on one side and ROH on the other. Yeah, YouTube YouTube's not a bad idea. I mean, that's what Billy Corgan does, and he still sells pay-per-views. Uh, and, uh, you know, Tony's proven that he can sell ROH pay-per-views. Um, the only weird thing is, there's kind of the idea of diminishing returns. Like AEW does really good with pay-per-view, but when you do split the brands and you call something ring of honor, I feel like it does, it will sell less than if you didn't just call it AEW. Right. Um, he's, he's committed to separating the, the brands and, you know, I kind of applaud him for it because you want to keep that ring of honor tradition because ring of honor, like carried the torch during the super Cena era, you know, whenever people wanted, you know, some real like uh professional wrestling right that's kind of where where you went so um it is interesting it was it was definitely a kind of monumental move and uh yeah he's eight-time world champion chris jericho and uh you can go to friends of bfr i just posted something an hour ago when i was sitting at a bar somebody was giving the case for chris jericho being the goat and uh like not they aren't far off right It's, it's hard to argue with a lot of their their arguments no and um just for the record obviously i shouldn't say obviously friends of bfr you can find us there on facebook and band from ringside as well twitter handles i'm up bfr jcb that's bfr zach all lowercase letters with an h bfr bill bfr pod on twitter um I've always said, but don't that we, follow BFR Bill. We don't want him to get a big head. Yeah, I was getting ready to say he's probably you know talking smack you know since he's been suspended for a week. Um, it's hard for me to say that 
the running my running debate within myself has always been you know especially with the, the talk of Mount Rushmore's and we've we've kind of talked about that you know different managers tag teams so on and so forth um Jericho is kind of the guy that's you know edging on to Mount Mount Rushmore slowly but surely this accolade doesn't help me you know deny that process is he the goat I've always said that Ric Flair is the GOAT just because, you know, that's the guy I grew up with. He was the first heel I ever saw and, you know, 16 times recognized 22 from other people. You know, I don't necessarily care which number it is. I will just go with 16 because that's the one that everybody knows. That's a that's a, an amazing number. And we're just talking world championships. You know, I'm sure he won his fair share of mid-card titles, too. But the number 16 is what we focus on. Even at eight with Chris Jericho, I think the it's not even the numbers with Jericho. I think it's more of the influence that he had on professional wrestling as a whole. WCW was diff, was different just because you saw Chris Jericho and he brought you know some levity to wrestling and I'm as a guy that doesn't necessarily like comedy and wrestling I laughed when he you know pulled out the you know the thousand and one list you know he had uh Rolfus as Jericho security that's just comedy central it comes to WWF slash E his first moment coming in the door is a one-on-one promo with the rock I mean that basically told you how they felt about Jericho coming off the stock well, coming out the uh, the box there he reinvented also the only dude to beat Stone Cold and rock in the same night to become an undisputed world champion okay so I mean and I know Roman reigns you know catches a lot of hell for being undisputed champion mostly for the fact that you know he's not defending the titles on, you know, every week. He's not on TV. Well, I'm sorry, he's not on TV every week. He's not defending the titles every month. Chris Jericho was the, the first to do it, and he did it a really good job to where now they built him up to that point where now he was now must-see TV, and he carried the banner of the WWF slash E to another, I won't say another hype, but just in an era where you just didn't see undisputed champions you saw that and chris jericho was the first like you said so in that scenario and now just going to aw and doing what he's done there obviously it's <laughs> like i said it before if you say chris jericho is the goat i wouldn't be totally upset by any stretch of imagination i damn sure couldn't say you wrong you know my yeah. pride might say <laughs> my pride might not let me admit that you're right yeah and i mean him being like uh the longest tenured person to be in the Royal Rumble. If you add up his minutes, he's the longest one. Um, besides, I think his biggest testament to being uh, on that list is his match with Kenny Omega. You know, he sold, like, New Japan World ended up, I think, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was like 130,000 subscriptions uh, from the United States because he was wrestling Kenny Omega. And that match changed wrestling because there's no AEW without that match. That was whenever Tony Khan was like, we can do this. Like you can sell 130,000 pay-per-view buys to uh, a match in Japan. And that's whenever, you know, he started bringing in all those dudes because their contracts were up. And like you said, the work that he's done in AEW, he is 
consistently one of the better entertainers on a show that we kind of deem, you know, the must-see must television of the week is Wednesday Night Dynamite, and he's always featured prominently, and he always kicks ass. And, I mean, tonight was was no different, or last night was no different. So no, I agree totally. I'm, I'm recently getting on this train. I'm the same with, as you. If somebody's like, hey, who's the best wrestler of all time? I'm like, oh, it's Ric Flair, because he did that shit 300 nights a year. Uh, Jericho's doing a little bit differently, and he's also a goddamn rock star. Like, how many kids do you know that they're like, imagine like you're talking to like your niece or nephew, and they're like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And they're like, I'm going to be a rock star and a pro wrestler. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Good luck, kid. Like, <laughs> that dude's like 100% doing it. He's like, he sold gold records. He's an eight-time world champion. Like, it's insane. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to the Chris Jericho's goat thing. That's all I'm saying. No, I, I, I can't disagree with that. I was going to say that. Jericho is is just like I said the reinvention of Jericho's in different promotions is to me you know a, is one of those deciding factors if you really can't you know pick and choose or whatever you you can always be like you know what's the your best Chris Jericho gimmick and you know you can go from any of the three promotions and come up with something so in that scenario it, like I said for me it'd be hard to argue all right what's next uh, next is uh, Claimed and Swerving Our Glory and their rematch. And this was exactly what we expected. Um, really good match. Not as good as their pay-per-view match, but that Agreed. match was absolutely transcendent. So this was still an amazing TV match. And though <laughs> that Arthur Ashe crowd desperately wanted the Acclaimed to win, just like all of us. So um, the Acclaimed goes over after some assistance with Billy Gunn and... Dude, this this acclaimed stuff. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to dog on him because he's not here. But I still don't know how BFR Bill is not behind the acclaimed. I I, I totally think it's it's because of Max Caster. If Max Caster didn't come out and rap, I think it, he would have a totally totally different viewpoint on it because that's to me the, the way I interpret it. And maybe I'm wrong, and I might you know it's you know be tripping on this one. But for me, it's really about Max Caster. It has nothing to do with Anthony Bowens, okay? At that point, I mean, even if you don't like the rap, I mean, you can't, and this is hard for me to wrap my head around. Scissor me daddy ass, I thought was something so corny when they first did it. I kind of chuckled or whatever. I didn't think it would be that big a deal. And damn sure didn't think they'd be doing t-shirts on it. Man, they were over there. Oh, scissor me, daddy. I'm like, man, this shit is... Just, okay, that's when I knew right then, A, the acclaim were going over for sure. If not, there was going to be a fucking riot in the stands. And B, this is what professional wrestling is all about. It's it's personal taste, you know. What I like might not be the same things that these other jokers like. And I'm not saying that, you know... New York City is a bunch of jokers because they want to, you know, get all hyped up for Scissor Me Daddy. It's not for me, but New York City and pretty much everybody else, everywhere they go, just looks forward to that. So in that scenario, like you said, the the second match wasn't nearly as good as the first. That's where I wish they would have kind of pulled the trigger. But once again, they did sow some seeds for the inevitable Swerve and Keith Lee feud. Um, you could, 
if you're if you're swerve, you could easily blame this on Keith Lee, and you can kick it off that way. So I'm I'm excited for that. I'm kind of looking forward to the Gun Club being one of the first challengers to the acclaim now winning the titles because obviously you have that tie-in to go with that. Like you said, second match in there, not nearly as good as the first, but the the crowd was so hot, it was hard not to get in this match. This was still a good match. It's just not as good as the first. Oh, yeah. So it was a great tag team match. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because we did have FTR backstage getting interrupted by the gun club. And I think the gun club is built in a great first opponent for the acclaim because you know they're going over and it's also good for the gun club you know like there's some young guys they're not untalented uh, i love that they've just embraced this ass boys thing like you know the best thing you know some some bully you let it happen and you let it get you over um but uh that that's good and then i think the the hang up for some folks uh, it looks like they were kind of teasing an FTR acclaim match uh, down the line. And honestly, I'd be three, four weeks ago, if you asked me, I'd say you put the FTR over and you have them have all those belts. I'm not as certain uh, this week. Uh, F- uh, acclaimed is amazingly over, so we'll see how it goes. Okay, dude, quick sidebar for 30 seconds. So, obviously – your greatest tag team of all time is uh, sitting next to Bill on uh, suspension row. So let's just say for the sake of argument, the Bucks come back next week. The Bucks are are obviously probably, I shouldn't say obviously, but they should probably be going back for the trios tiles with Kenny. Let's just bring them all back for the sake of argument. At some point, do the Bucks and the Acclaim cross paths? I mean, we're not scared to even mention double champions, obviously, because we'll talk about Pac and uh, OC here in a little bit. Um, are the Bucks and the Acclaim going cross paths, or we are do FTR Acclaim? Just take the pencil. What you think? You what would you do? Better choice of words. So taking the pencil, I do think that the Bucks should at one time have those trios and the tags. Um, I think at at a point. That point is not soon, though, because they're inundated with a lot of stuff. Bucks have their own thing going on. But I think going back, if I had the pencil and I was on Journey of Wrestling, the web-based booking thing that I do, it's super fun. Uh, independent creator, if you like gaming, text-based gaming, you can book your own pay-per-views and shit, uh, it's great. Uh, I would have the Bucks come back, but only with Omega and only to uh, wrestle for those trios titles because that was a huge deal, and you have to cement those titles as super important. So whenever the Bucks come back and they're your number one tag team in the company because they were what the company's built around, you have them going for those and, and thinking that that's the most important thing for them right now. Uh, I don't necessarily say that they win them, depending on, you know, how fans are feeling and stuff. But, yeah, I'm with you. The Bucks come back. They aren't focused on the tag team titles. I think you kind of keep the acclaimed away uh, from them um, for the foreseeable future. But there's there's so many good tag teams. And, uh, you know, right now we got a fresh fresh set of champions that are super over. And I couldn't even tell you outside of FTR uh, who – would be the next champions because nobody is, is as over as them, except maybe like Sting and Darby Allen, if that's mm-hmm. something that they wanted to do, or the Hardys whenever Jeff comes back. You know what I mean? But that's all out in the ether right now. 
never hadn't talked about Jeff Hardy and uh, let's just quick thoughts on Jeff Hardy coming back. Are you okay with this? Well, I mean, as a fan, you always want to see him because he's super charismatic. Uh, you know, you kind of want to apologize for a situation because he's got a, you know, terrible addiction. Um, obviously they've set some parameters as a company, so I'm not going to get an uproar like they're abusing an addict and they're, they're, you know, exploiting an addict or anything like that. Like, oh, we're going to pay this guy millions of dollars to get on TV for some ratings and stuff, even though it's detrimental to his health. They've obviously, like, presented their ideas that that's not what they're doing because it was conditional that he did some rehab before he came back. But it seems like he's on the horizon. And, I mean, while he is there and while he is, you know, a functioning, like, person, like, he's super over. And even though I wouldn't do it, I think you want to keep those titles on younger, younger acts and stuff. Um, I, I think I know the Hardys were going to be tag team champions right. uh, before the Bucks. That's why they weren't there. But I disagreed with them. Like, I mean, I've been kind of on record that as cool as they are, I don't think they need to hold those titles at all. Um, it, you know, but I mean, if Jeff Hardy's clean, he's coming back. That that is cool. So that that's a and that's a that's a fun matchup. Hardy's versus the Acclaim. That's a really fun matchup. I wouldn't be too opposed to Jeff Hardy coming back. Obviously, you know it, it has to be genuine at this point. He he needs to show me you know sobriety for an extended length of time before. I'm truly embracing him with open arms. I'm kind of like you. I'm hesitant to even kind of see him come back. But if he does what AEW slash Tony Khan wants him to do, then, you know, so be it. Who am I to tell Tony Khan not to do it? Now, that being but said. But he, 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 is, he is a liability. He is, oh, so figure- he's not CM Punk liability, but he's the next tier down as far as yep. I'm concerned, you know, the next one, you know, you're, you're probably going to have to, you know, sit next to uh, CM Punk for a hot second. You know, you in a different locker room than uh, Bill, the Bucks, and Kenny Omega. Um, like I said, for me, I think the biggest thing is that you finally got, I shouldn't say finally, but a homegrown AEW tag team or now the AEW tag team champions. And I think that that was kind of the, you know, the biggest thing to me, Anthony Bowens being the, the first, you know, AEW gay wrestler as a champion, you know, check that box off too. These guys were super old. Plus he's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, legit, is a great worker. Yeah. I was getting ready to say Caster has, has kind of, got, you know, gotten me more and more, you know, over as, you know, won me over as, you know, he's kind of, you know, Done power moves, you know, throwing Keith Lee around a, l- a little bit, and that obviously his AA, like he's he's raising himself to that level, like right. Uh, some guys get in that position and they don't. Uh, he's he's ro- ro- risen to the occasion, just like we talked about with that trios match with John Silver and uh, mm-hmm. Alex Reynolds. Like those guys aren't always there, but like they can get there. No, like, for you sure. Just put them in, put them in the right matchup, and like. They're there, and uh, yeah, totally. No, I think Caster's, you know, biggest, you know, strength is that, he, you know, he, he can work the stick. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to obviously talk about MJF here in a second, speaking of guys that can work the stick. So he has that box checked off. If he could get a smidgen better, and I'm not asking for him to be Brian Danielson by any stretch of the imagination, but if he can get a little better in the ring, man. 
that's that could be something. I mean, if they ever wanted to let the acclaim go their separate ways, I don't think I don't think either guy would have a problem having a singles run for a little bit. Not saying either guy would be world champion. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, but I don't think either guy would be, you know, enhancement talent by any stretch of the imagination if they went their separate no. ways. It is funny that you say uh, Ash Caster is the guy who works the stick better and Anthony Bones is the gay one, but uh, we'll just move on from there. Um, <laughs> he might take offense to that, or he might take offense to what I just said. That's probably more likely. Uh, <laughs> He's heating up! <laughs> but uh, then we had uh, uh, Tony Schiavone interrupting Wheeler Yuta with MJF, uh, interrupting and cutting an amazing promo. I know I saw uh, you and Blood Girl Raven uh, talking about this on Twitter, how it was a, a mismatch. Really, um, truly. I was like, oh, no, I heard his music. I, at first, I was like, why are they having Wheel of Unit come out and, you know, talk, cut a promo? I'm like, I guess he's, they're going to talk about the title match. And then, I'm, you know, I'm having this thought in my head as I'm, you know, watching the show last night. And on the next thing, you know, I hear MJF's music. I'm like, oh, fuck. And I said it out loud. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this thing is dead. He is dead. DOA dead man walk in. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. No, uh, I mean, you're right. Uh, it does set up, you know, some Blackpool Combat Club interaction because, you know, spoiler alert, Moxley won the championship and that was the direction that they're heading in Jeff versus Moxley. So, you know, it sets up uh, some fun interaction for kind of the lower tier guide and the Blackpool Cuckold Club, as MJF <laughs> called it. Dude, he he was on fire and Dude, the crowd is so behind him. I know it was New York crowd, but they were so into him. Like he had to shove Tony Schiavone to the ground right. to get a boo. Right. And uh I mean that that that's telling. So um yeah, uh fire fire promo from MGF, uh just kind of continuing this dynamite where it's like, hey, we're gonna have really good wrestling and it seems like they gave just the majority of any kind of non wrestling time to you know, some, some top shit, you know, you gotta have MJF on there. So it was, it was, it was great. Good, good segue. I was talking about the firm last week and how, you know, ultimately they would be, you know, connected to MJF, you know, they were basically storyline as, you know, their MJF's uh, faction on retainer, I believe is the way it was uh, put out last week. We now we kind of see where you know this could ultimately lead. This has Wardlow vibes to it, but not necessarily because we know who uh, Morrissey is or slash was. Obviously, big cast in NXT and WWE, so it's not like you don't know who this big son of a bitch is. Now that being said. Now you can kind of see where this might ultimately ultimately lead, especially with. Moxley now as your champion. I don't know, you know, the when and the where uh, it's going to happen, but I would be surprised if there was not some sort of schmoz fest the first time that, that, well, I shouldn't say the first time, the second time now when Moxley and MJF, you know, announced the match for the title, I would expect the firm and the Blackpool Combat Club to have integral parts into that match. Maybe they do. You know what I would do? I don't want to interject. No, take the pencil. Go ahead. What would you do? Uh, so Hunter uh, says that Survivor Series, which is their November pay-per-view, is going mm-hmm. to be war game. Right. 
Well, I would do a match beyond with Blackpool Combat Club and MGF and his retainers. And that keeps MGF away. He's not cashing in yet. Uh, it gives Moxley some time with his third championship title run, and then MGF can cash in on a Dynamite or the next pay-per-view. But kind of like leading towards, like you said, that uh, the multi-man stuff and just keep it, you know, keep people wanting MJF because I think people want MJF to win that title. At least I do. Uh, but at the same time, you don't want Moxley to lose it right away. Right. That is, that's the thing. And then, you know, I'll, I'll say my thoughts for, you know, Mox after we talk about that. But uh, I wouldn't, the only thing I would have, I don't want this to become a, a, a tit for tat thing because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of over, you know, Triple H, you know, puts, his pay-per-view on Saturday. So now Tony's going to, you know, you know, counter with this. I don't want to see, you know, that kind of competition, I guess, for lack of a better term. Well, Triple Triple H did that whenever he, he put an NXT pay-per-view the same week. Right, that Saturday Um, or whatever. And WWE is always going to do that. So, I mean, either AEW just sits back and takes it, or or they do the same shit, you know, because... Um, WWE is there. You know that Hunter has to hate AEW for. I mean, he lost the Wednesday Night Wars. Right. You know, like it's an objective fact. It, Black and Gold NXT was great, but AEW was better at the time, and he lost those wars. Uh, but yeah, if I was TK, like I wouldn't be petty about it. But shit, I can do a war games too. No, um, I mean, and who who wants to see which one better? You know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. The the one they did with the Jericho Appreciation Society, I, uh, I still think it's it's one of the the short list of match of the year for me personally. Um, if they wanted to do it again, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it. I just think you know it's September now. If you wanted to do it in November to kind of you know offset what WWE is doing, it's it's time. You know, you just well, have to the- kind of have to build it up. Plus, WWE doesn't have Regal to say war games, but AEW has Regal to say match beyond. <laughs> <laughs> blood and guts. Yeah, or blood and guts. Yeah, that's exactly. too funny. No, you're right. And I'll just say this: where were you? It wasn't as bad as I thought he was going to be, but I guess it felt like he was getting ready to go in on MJS fiance, and then kind of veered away from it. Either do it or don't. You know what I'm saying? It just if you're gonna go in, go in. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, it's not I bet, like it's, I bet Wheeler Yuta met her in real life because he said he did, and she's like super hot and probably very charming. Uh, and he would probably just like I can't say anything mean about her on TV. <laughs> well, no, you, you, you can, it's not even mean about her. You could be like, you know, how in the hell did you, you know did this happen or something to that effect? You you can run MJ. We all down. wonder, but we all know that that assholes get really really hot gotcha. it. so, yeah it's the yeah. way of the world i mean i'm not going to disagree with that i'm just saying by that, the way i'm not an incel i've had a hot wife for 15 years so like i'm not an incel like <laughs> i get laid not as much as i used to but it happens right so, it's like, I'm, not, I'm not an incel god bless you i was going to say it's it's never mind um <laughs> you can run down mjf and and still be a, the baby face. But once it felt like he, he wanted to say something smart ass and then he didn't, then you had Morrissey come in and basically, you know, wreck havoc. 
I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. You know, Morrissey's got to, you know, tromp on somebody. So I guess Weaver Uter is on that list. I just don't want to see Weaver Uter go into a a streak of matches where he's going to start taking some L's. They did a really good job building them up. I want to see him, you know, stay strong as possible. If he's got to take an L or two, I just don't want to see him, you know, move backwards after coming up to this point. Sure. And yeah, MJF uh, said, uh, you know, you might learn something from Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, which is uh, how to turn your brain into scrambled eggs. Uh, you might learn something from Moxley. Ah, never mind. You can't learn anything from him. Yeah. Or you might learn how to pop pills from William Regal. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> so I say, ding, ding, was... ding, 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 ding. And at that point, you know, I would have felt more than okay if we were you the one to go there for 30 seconds. Look, man, you know, it's not like he ain't going to say the same shit about you if given the opportunity. Hell, he's, he runs down everybody. You know, he's an equal opportunity offender. So at that point, man, yep. if you've got a chance to take a shot at the champ you might as well go ahead and take a shot at the champ i just like like i said for me i i get when it first happened i was like oh this is just gonna be bad but i get it because you know other guys were wrapped up in other storylines so this is the only way you could make this you know firm versus blackpool combat club a thing but i just i don't know where were you just just didn't really do it for me Personally, I mean, it, it could have went worse, but I didn't. I didn't think that he was necessarily the guy to be there at that spot. You know, sure. everybody else was busy though, right? Everybody for sure. Busy. I was going to say title. William Boxing, Regal. You know, yeah, Regal would been another guy that I would you could have thought of, but I mean, at that point, you know, if he's pushing down, actually saying that, I'm now desperately waiting for that promo battle. Because you know that Regal's just going to say something weird. He's going to, like, hit on Excalibur, and then he's going to, like, run down MJF. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was about to say, those two guys could definitely talk. There's no doubt about that. I, like I said, Regal would have been the other guy that I would have thought of. But, I mean, if you're pushing down Shivani, you're pushing down William Regal probably as well. I mean, it, it's still the same kind of heat. You're just pushing two guys that have no business getting pushed down at that point, you know catching that work so i mean to me that's kind of a push like i said it it underwhelmed when i initially saw it it wasn't nearly as bad as i thought but you know it it just kind of just exposed we were you to something that he needs to work on and that's you know working on the mic and it's not easy i mean when you, you got mjf across from you it's yeah and in, in new york you know it's yeah Talk about Throwing him into deep water. Yeah, know, like. they definitely did. I mean, he didn't sw- he didn't sink, but you know, he splashed around the water a little bit. So, I mean, in that scenario, same, I can deal thing, with that. Like Jungle Boy and Christian, you know, like Christian's way better. Like this is like sink or swim time. It's like be a star or be relegated. You yeah, know? then that that's a really good example because uh, you know Jungle Boy kind of felt like he stepped it up a little bit, and like I said, Will Yuta was just a little overmatched on the stick. You know, if you get a Will Yuta MJF match, I wouldn't be opposed to that too because that's the that's the kind of you know match that you want to see Will Yuta lose because you know he'll look good, probably lose with some fuckery. And then, you know, still come out looking strong. Morrissey versus Morrissey, he has, you know, a snowball's chance in hell, but hell is still hot. So I'll let you yeah. make that call. Uh, so we had a, the All-Atlantic Championship match. So this is the third title match of the night. Uh, Pack versus Orange Cassidy. Uh, not necessarily as good as their first 
iteration in AEW, but still a super fun match. My wife was sitting next to me whenever I was watching this, and she, like, I couldn't believe it. She was like, she's like, who's that guy? And I was like, it's Orange Cassidy. She's like, no, the other guy. She's like, I was like, that's Pac. She's like, yeah, but like, what what do he used to be called? I was like, Adrian Neville. And she's like, yeah, yeah, Neville. Whoa. Couldn't believe it. Like, my wife remembered Neville. Plus, he's, like, a super ugly bastard. So, like, I just expected, like, uh, I don't know, maybe she's an ugly bastard because she's married to me. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah like, I just couldn't I couldn't believe it uh, that she remembered that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this was a, a fun match. Uh, you know, uh, Orange Cassidy lost his eighth uh, title match. Uh, he's had eight title matches, and he's lost all eight of them. So, um Wow. Yeah, that, that's a fun fun stat, but uh, he's still super over. I haven't seen anything no, no, wrong I, with this. No. I think Pac's a better All-Atlantic champion than, than Cassidy would be. No, it, the way he lost, obviously, protected because Pac had to resort to the bell hammer to get to keep uh, Orange Cassidy up off his ass, um, and I think that's kind of the, the story, you know, coming in. It, the story was, you know, he, this guy, you know, even though we wrestled before, he has no business in the ring with me. He's underneath me. And then by the end, he's like, you know, this motherfucker's all over me. I got to get him off me immediately. You know, where's this bell hammer at? You know, Jericho fuckery 101. He smacks Orange Cassidy with the uh, the bell hammer to lead into the, the pin. So in, the, in this scenario, Orange Cassidy is protected. He looks good in the match and he's protected moving forward. Pot catches a little heat for, you know, taking out an AEW fan favorite. I'm not sure what that means for them moving forward, them being he and the Lucha Brothers moving forward as the trio's champions. Maybe it's a subtle heel turn. So when the Bucks and Omega come back, you know, you can have heel versus faces. But in AEW, that ultimately doesn't matter. I mean, the crowd is looking for good stories and good matches. You don't necessarily need heel versus heel or you don't need heel versus face to have a good match. So it was just interesting, you know, the the psychology of things, you know, where things might go, you know, how Pac is looking, you know, going forward, how he looks. Those were things were interesting to me around the fact that you had another good match. Like you said, not as good as the first, but still good. Totally. Uh, so, yeah, super solid match. Then we had the four-way title match. So we had the fourth title match on the – that show, which seems like the women's division is being booked into a lot of four ways uh, recently, which usually you book a four way to maybe avoid champion being pinned, but that's not the case um, in these. Uh, but uh, stories of this one is kind of less about the match, although Britt Baker got her nose smashed in, which kind of added to the moment later on. But uh, yeah, if people could stop breaking Britt Baker's nose, that would be great. <laughs> I'm sure she would appreciate it. But, uh, but yeah, uh, before we match, uh, Tony Storm ended up sneaking a quick DDT onto Athena and then cradling Britt Baker and pinning her. But then the big story is, uh, Paige, aka Soraya, comes out to her shitty boyfriend's music and announces that this is her house. And it seems like Paige is going to be an active wrestler in AEW, which is, which is wild. So, uh, yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? Um, it, apparently, Sarai is on the AEW roster with wins and losses, all that other good stuff. So I'll throw a log on to that. Apparently, she's going to be a wrestler, uh, fuel to the fire. Um, the match itself is, like, like I said before, and 
this is this to me I'll, I'll just be honest this to me was the low point of the show um for me and I, I said it last week and i'm not gonna get on a huge tirade because i haven't had like 15 shots about it but it it, it kind of reinforces what i already said about the interim championship i never thought that tony storm was ever really in doubt of losing this title even with Britt baker in even with the specter of Jamie Hayter floating around, what is she going to do? Um, never really thought that Britt Baker, I'm sorry, never thought that uh, Tony Storm was going to lose the title. I was surprised that Britt Baker took the pin, to be honest there. But Britt Baker's super over, so I mean, her getting pinned is not necessarily the end of the world. I was expecting more of Athena to get pinned kind of leading on to Soraya, and then I'll wrap around to Jamie Hayter. Okay, so Soraya comes in, you know, formerly Paige, you know, first uh, NXT Women's Champion, you know, uh, shit, she beats First uh, one to consummate the title. (laughs) (laughs) He's heating up! Uh, Beats AJ Lee uh, the night after WrestleMania to put her on the map on the main roster. Obviously, with injuries, she had to step away, and now she's back. I would be a lot more enthusiastic if other women that have come over, and I'm not naming, I'm not saying that it, it's an indictment on the system, but it kind of is an indictment on the system. If you're not Jade, Thunder Rosa, or Britt Baker, you really haven't gotten over, or Tony Khan has a really giving you a chance to get yourself over that's where i'm like okay i get it you know it's a nice another nice name to add to the ever-growing pile of talent but that this at some point this growing pile of talent needs to be on screen abaddon is over here you know i miss wrestling you know that's not necessarily the best look okay and this is someone that's not even you know really in the main event scene or you know after the TBS title, you know, this is just someone that apparently just wants to wrestle and wants to be on TV doing it, I would assume. That's my next problem with that. Soraya is now at a point where, okay, I thought Athena was at a point where th- this women's roster was getting oversaturated. Now with Soraya, I'm like, okay, enough's enough. We don't need to be signing anybody else for a hot minute, you know, until we can start getting good storylines out there. This should be enough. And then Jamie Hayter's my third disappointment. I was looking forward to a little Jamie Hayter face turn and letting her get a chance to kind of run against Britt Baker. But unfortunately, swerve alert. Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker reunite and obviously stomp out the baby faces before Soraya comes out, like you said, announces this is her house. I think that might be a an opportunity missed. Jamie Hayter is an amazing talent, and she it shouldn't be Britt Baker's sidekick. That's what rebels there for okay it's not for jamie hater in that scenario so for me the match itself predictable disappointed in jamie hater reuniting with Britt baker and then soraya just adding on to a women's division that is ultimately missing just a direction if you're not one of three women i would uh i would uh be disappointed with Jamie Hayter, if I didn't expect AEW to fully be pulling the long con, just like they did with Wardlow and MJF, you know, it took like two years for that to happen. So as long as they keep continuing that storyline, 
I'm good with it. It will it will be very disappointing if she just acquiesces and becomes Britt Baker's heavy again. Uh, but uh, I don't mean that in like a negative way. Like I'm not saying Jamie Hader's heavy. Like she's way hotter than I am. I'm just saying she's <laughs> very fit. I was gonna say, let me go, let me get that shovel out of your hand before you dig yourself yeah. a hole even more. No, exactly. you, you, obviously we but know she what you meant. She has the big daddy cool to. Uh, Jamie Hayter, yeah, for sure. And that, <laughs> there, there's no doubt about that. And that, that's what I didn't want to see. You know, that's just me being selfish as a Jamie Hayter fan. And no, you, I know Jamie Hayter's a star. She she can be like, and I mean, look at what Diesel became. I mean, like, dude, my one of my earliest memories of wrestling is uh, Diesel, like, jobbing out Bob Backlund in eight seconds at Madison Square Garden where they showed it to us on – like hand camera because it was at Madison Square Garden and it like made it um, like that much more real to me right. as a kid. I was like, oh my god! I was like, this guy Diesel that I know because he's my favorite wrestler's, uh, you know, like enforcer. Like he just became world champion on a house show. You okay. know? I was like, so that that made me think that I need to get tickets to the house show like in St. Louis because title happen. changes are real and yeah. it can happen. You know, and it did in eight seconds. It was like that was amazing to me as a kid. So anyway, like that's that's kind of my my comparison. But uh, but yeah, uh, Soraya, we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, I I'm interested. Uh, I, I would be uh, lying if I said I wasn't intrigued. But I'm I'm not expecting her to do you know anything crazy off the bat. Even six months down the line, I wouldn't expect her expect to see anything crazy from her either. You know, have a handful of matches. You know, ease her back in the ring. There, the roster is is I won't say stacked, but it's there's enough women to run around where you know you don't you don't need to have her on the roster. You like to have what, her on the roster. What I would have done if I had the pencil was not put her into that mix, even though introducing her into that mix is great. Uh, and I thought her entrance was really well done. But Baker did a great job of selling her entrance and looking scared with her broken nose. It was great. But at this point, you're kind of like, who's going to beat Jade Cargill? And I, I feel like, do you? You stole my next question. Yeah, she should have. She should have been introduced into that mix. I know they wanted to do a Grand Slam, and they could still change direction. But like, you know, I think it would be cooler if Soraya was just like, I want this TBA, this TBS title because she's undefeated, and I want to prove that I'm the best women's wrestler, and that's somebody that could take the title away from Jade without making Jade you know, less. And also, you know, she can learn some shit and it would elevate that title. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes, though. Give this man the pencil. What's next? <laughs> uh, next, we had the uh, world title match, which was a pay-per-view level match. I, I think I think that um, John Moxley would have had to have the flu and it, Brian Nielsen would have had, had like, Ebola. Or like something for either of them to have a bad match. Uh, this, this match was awesome. I mean, at first it was just like, yeah, this is good. I'm like, yeah, like we're cruising. Like, yeah, this is cool. And then it just like hits you like 10 minutes in. Like these guys are fucking killing it. And the crowd was like so into it by the end of this match. And I thought the finish was great because it was like a real deal, like mean guy, like wrestling shit. They didn't do like the super hard hitting stuff, but they tried to, out professional wrestling each other and yeah. John Moxley ended up like choking him out. Uh, and I think that is the perfect finish. Like Brian Nielsen just fell asleep. Like 
Moxley outmaneuvered him and put him to sleep. And I think that's that's what you had to do, especially with babyface, babyface, and in the same stable. But it did go off the air very quickly, so yeah. uh, we don't get a chance to see what they're what they're planning for the fallout of this. But uh, you know, on one side, uh, I thought you know or Brian Danielson was going to win this because there's so many more fresh matchups. But mm-hmm. uh, thinking about it too, it's like, yeah, Moxley is on fire and he's doing the best work he's ever done. And also like Brian Danielson is a liability in the sense that he, you know, he was just out recently for a while with another concussion. Like that's in the dozens for him as like concussions, right. whereas Moxley is a healthy dude. So, you know, I, I totally get it. But as a, Brian Danielson, Mark, I think it would have been very fun to transition to him and have some fresh matchups. But I don't know. What do you think? Um, I never would have thought I would have used the term Moxley out-wrestles Danielson at any point, but I agree with you, at least with the finish of the match. That's To me, that's the way that I took away, what I took away from it was that Moxley just out-wrestled him at the end and, and finally put him asleep. I'm just going to assume that Brian Danielson snatched the belt from Regal and just wanted to award it, award it to Moxley because that's what baby faces do when the other baby face wins. Um, I don't want to. I hate the fact that we're, and I'll just I'll include myself on this, and if others are doing this too, so be it. I'll just say I I hate the fact that I am assuming that Moxley is going to lose to MJF. I don't want to. I don't want to consider Moxley as a transitional champion. I want this third run to actually be some sort of a run. Obviously, on Rampage uh, coming up tomorrow night, there's going to be a battle royal. The winner of said battle royal will get a title shot against Moxley coming up. I would assume that title shot would be first before you get to MJF. And I guess that's kind of where I'm going with it. If Moxley is going to cough it up to MJF, I want to see Moxley with one last good little run before he goes off on vacation and you give it to MJF. Um, As for Brian Danielson, with Chris Jericho now being the ROH champion, I think that kind of sets up a trilogy match, if you will, if you're a boxing-slash-MMA guy. That sets up a trilogy match for Danielson and Jericho. Now this time you have stakes on it with the ROH championship on the line. If you wanted to hot shot it, you could. I don't think that they would, especially, you know, like you said, with a a possible TV deal on the horizon. I think Chris Jericho, you know, is a name that, you know, executives know, you know, he he transcends, you know, the, the world of professional wrestling. So in that scenario, I think that Jericho would retain if you got to that point. But Moxley, I want to see have a run before if he actually coughs it up. See, there I go. There you go again. I'm getting ready to do it again. And then it, Brian Danielson, I think, is going to be positioned towards uh, Jericho, I think, at some point for the RH Championship. That's just me guessing about the shit. Daniel Garcia, obviously, is a wild card in this because, you know, it's that, that storyline isn't going away. You know what I'm saying? So. I think that's going to be somewhere in the mix where you will have the, those three guys essentially doing a little uh, angle there for the next few weeks, hopefully. Yeah, that makes sense, especially when you talk about Danielson as, you know, fighting for the ROH. That makes a lot of sense, especially with the Garcia stuff. That, that's a good move. 
I would do that. Black Bull Combat Club versus Jericho Appreciation Society in the back, in the background. I guess that's another reason why you you maybe took the title off of uh, Claudio. It's, it's time for him to you know do his uh, unfortunately his usual uh, behind the scenes work. You know, be a supporting cast kind of guy instead of you know being the, the lead singer, so to speak. You know, neither here nor there. Like I said before, I'm, I'm a little disappointed for Claudio. It's not the end of the world, like you said. At least he became a champion. If ROH actually becomes its own brand and he follows along with that brand, I think he can get the title again for sure. Yeah, totally. Interested to see what happens with him, though, uh, especially with when Adam Cole comes back. You know, they're just loaded. It's a embarrassment of riches is what uh, BFR Bill would say. <laughs> I totally forgot about Adam Cole. That's a goddamn shame. That, that, uh, that, that's my dog, and I've totally forgot about him. He's just been gone so long. So, fingers crossed that Adam Cole comes back healthy. <laughs> Hopefully him and also uh, another great <coughs> ROH champion. Yeah. When I first got into this stuff, he was the ROH champion when I first got back into wrestling heavy. Another he was reason, great. Another reason why I kinda want ROH to have their own thing. I think there's enough former ROH talent running around where you can have, you know, that brand with a bunch of ROH talent bring some uh young young uh, talent in help them get over with uh, the, the ROH talent, former ROH talent. Uh, you know, if you want to bring AEW guys over too, obviously there will be some sort of cross- crossover. I'm not going to be silly enough to think that it won't be, but it, it it's to the point now, like I said before, and I'm, I'm banging this drum. I bang the trio's title drum until it happens, so I'm going to bang this drum until it, ROH gets its own television contract because it's getting to the point where they need it because there's – this roster needs to be on TV more, and there's plenty of guys. You said Adam Cole, and I haven't thought about him in a hot. I haven't thought about him since Forbidden Door, okay? And that's been a little bit. So it's time for, like I said, ROH to get its own deal so we can get its own weekly show, and that way it's a one-two punch against WWE because ultimately that's a, that's what it's about. If it's going to be a war, you, you're going to need all the, the ammunition you can get and even if it doesn't sell as many pay-per-views, AEW slash ROH is a nice one-two punch. And then, obviously, you can, you'll get New Japan at certain points coming in, having shows, maybe get impact, whatever, and, you know, have this a, a thing like Star Wars. You know, it's the evil empire being the, the WWE and the rebels are everybody else. <laughs> Oh shit! Okay, on that let me know. Two beer. Anything else about Dynamite or Rampage you want to discuss? Any AEW business we need to, to talk about before we close up the one count? No, we can do the Rampage spoilers next week. Uh, oh, very fun yeah. Rampage spoilers, but uh, we'll I did just, see we'll that for next week. I did see that. I was just like. <laughs> what the rock? <laughs> that note, let's get to that two count. <laughs> Okay, so the two count is all things WWE. Uh, two Beer kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but we're going to do a little fantasy booking and take the pencil leech and discuss the Survivor Series announcement. Obviously, Survivor Series is not going to be a the usual Survivor Series mode where you have uh, four on four, five on five. This year is going to be war games, one men's war games, one women's war game. So obviously, Two Beer, you know what I'm going to ask you. If you had the pencil, 
Who's the men's? Who's the women's war games? Um, I would do Blackpool. No, sorry, Blackpool <laughs> bloodline. Oh my god! The oh my god! It's John Bobby. What the fuck is his name? My cold heads would explode. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Roman Reigns and the Usos and Solo Sokoa and Sami Zayn as the Bloodline Five, and then you just do five baby faces like Drew McIntyre at Tawel. Uh, that's who I would do for that one, and for the women. I think the hottest feud that you have going on includes uh, damage control versus, um, you know, like, uh, there's nothing to call them, but uh, the baby faces, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, um, Bianca Belair, those gals. So uh, that's what I would do. I was thinking, uh, what did I say on uh, Twitter? It was damage control and then a returning heel, uh, maybe Charlotte, something like that. Um Versus Bianca, Becky, if healthy, Sasha and Naomi, I think that would be a good time to get them back into the mix. And obviously, you know, that those men fences have to be mended if you did four on four. If you did five on five, um, who would I add both ways? Um, baby face wise, you could go either ba- oh, not Bailey, but um, Alexa Bliss or Asuka. Um, Heel wise, I would assume. Well, I shouldn't say I would assume, but uh, oof, who would I as of the fifth heel? I'd have to really think about that. Um, it would somebody that have to be. Uh, I would want to see up and coming as a heel. Um, Shotzi flip baby face this week. I can't think of anybody that would be the fifth heel. That I think that might be the the biggest issue. Um, four and four James sounds. <laughs> Carmella, there you go. I'll throw her in. Just what the hell? You may you, you bail me out. I'm sure she's not even healthy yet. Um, I agree with you totally on the uh, the men's side. It's got to be the bloodline. Now, obviously, the second thing, the biggest second thing that uh that came out of WWE is Roman Reigns will be defending the WWE title in Saudi against one Logan Paul. Now, I'll do this in a two-part mode. I'll go back to Survivor Series first, and that's kind of the reason why I don't think he'll be on that bloodline team. I think he'll do his obligatory uh November appearance in this case it will be in Saudi versus being at Survivor Series if he's at both shit I'm all for it I don't think we're getting both I think we get one or the other and I think Logan Paul is going to be uh, an interesting match itself but just to stick to Survivor Series I think it would be the bloodline minus Roman Reigns versus uh, like KO Drew throw a couple other guys in maybe the brawling brutes or something like that and then you can run that uh, that route, maybe Sheamus and uh, Gunther on the other side if you wanted to do five on five. Um, just to go back to now Roman Reigns versus Logan Paul, um, I haven't been – I can't say that. I've been actually really, you know, complimentary of the Roman Reigns title run, you know, over the last couple of years. I thought for the most part they've done – a lot of good things, even under the, the Vince McMahon reign, obviously, because that's where this whole thing started. Triple H has kind of picked up that baton and kept it running. 
I get it. You know, it's Saudi. You know, it's it's back up the Brinks truck. But I mean, God damn, man. You know, can't we get AJ first before we get Logan Paul? You know, damn. You know, can't we, you know Bobby Lashley ain't gonna be U.S. champion forever. You know, can we get you know champion versus champion or something like that? You know, I, anybody but Logan Paul. And don't get me wrong, I think Logan Paul is gonna kill it. I really do. I, I think he'll he'll have a good in ring performance in Saudi. He won't catch the heat like he will in the United States. That poor bastard on SmackDown, you know, he was he was trying to do everything a, a normal babyface would that's going against Roman Reigns, and the crowd was having none of it. And that, I think, is my biggest problem with this match is that Logan Paul, I don't think, you know, God bless him. He, you know, he's going to get his opportunity to, you know, get on a big stage and do his thing. It's, there's just, even with Roman Reigns running through the roster, I think there's so many other guys that you could have put in the, the place of Logan Paul, but I get it. This is what Saudi wants. Saudi wants WWE gives. So that being said, I think the match would be good, but it just, it's one of those down moments for Roman Reigns. Um, I guess title reign for lack of a better term thoughts on Roman versus Logan Paul. I'm actually like totally fine with it. Cause it's Saudi Arabia and it's like a big glorified house show. And if you're talking the biggest match that you can make, that's, that's definitely one of them. It is in kayfabe. It's like, yeah, Logan Paul's been like good in the ring, but like in kayfabe, you wouldn't give him a title match against the, you know, longest reigning, uh, undisputed champion. in years and years and years um so yeah i totally get that but uh i mean i'm here for it i'll i'll watch it at i don't know 10 a.m or whatever like stone to the bone um wake and bake watch some saudi <laughs> blood money shit for for free because uh, i don't even pay for my peacock subscription it's like included in my my internet package so Hello. Uh, but, yeah i'm here for it um it's just them trying to make a a big match and you know Props to them for being creative and, and throwing us something that I did not expect. I, I did not expect that. So, um, you know, I'm intrigued. I'll just say that. No, I would, I would be lying if I if I uh, said I thought this was coming. I heard it, I guess. It was Friday night at slash Saturday. I was on Twitter, and I was seeing a lot of Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns. I'm like, what the fuck is this? You got to be fucking kidding me. So I watched SmackDown this morning. I'm like, well, I, and obviously I knew. I'm just like, wow, you know, they're going to go ahead and do this damn thing. You know, and it's not for me, and it's not meant for me, and I get it. I just, like I said, the, I just hope this match is good because I just think the build is going to be hard for Logan Paul to get himself over as a baby face. It's just between him and his brother, they, haven't, they don't have a lot of goodwill built up i know logan paul you know killed it at SummerSlam. I, I, you nobody can take him take that away from like i said between him and pat mcafee i think they've had two of the best uh quote-unquote celebrity matches by a bunny obviously in that mix as well um, it's just weird that he wants to be a baby face especially when i know roman is positioned as a heel but they're baby faces like the whole bloodline just gets cheered because everybody loves them so he should just lean into the heel shit because he the match would be so much better and the the build would be so much better if he just leaned into being a heel because everybody wants to see him get crushed. That's why he sold boxing matches. Like right. everybody wants to see him get punched in the face. He has a punchable face. Like stop trying to be a baby face. 
Yeah, I was about to say, I'm not sure whose idea him as a baby face is. It, it's it's not working. I mean, the fans are just like, no, fuck you. We do not like your ass, not one little bit. Uh, I'll just run down SmackDown a little bit. Ricochet versus Sami Zayn, I thought it was a really good match. Um, Sami, God bless him. I just... I hope he doesn't get uh, excommunicated, I think was the word that was used uh, before the end of the year. I want to at least see him with the bloodline for the the rest of the year. I think that's just Comedy Central. Did you watch, you said you didn't watch Raw. Did you see the the Ricochet, uh, Sami Zayn match? Yeah, I watched SmackDown. It was really good. Uh, Yeah, that match was really good. We've seen those guys wrestle before, but yeah, they're capable of putting on very entertaining television. That's the thing, like, uh, at least Hunter recognizes. He's like, yo, he's like, I can put Sami Zayn. Like, he was directing those guys in NXT. Sami Zayn had the best babyface run of any NXT champion as far as, like, babyfaces go. It was him. Mm-hmm. Like, if you say who was the best NXT champion, it was Sami Zayn. Yeah. Like, in my opinion, Sami Zayn is who you build an entire company around because he is an ultimate babyface. And him and KO have been putting on separately, but also sometimes together, amazing work. Uh, in the post Vince WWE, but uh, yeah, this is this is a good match. I, I was happy to see it. No, I, I thought it was good. Uh, I just I like the fact that you know Ricochet is is at least picking up wins. If he's not being a champion, you know, I, I want him to be you know as strong as humanly possible. That's just personal preference on my part. Uh, Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre with doing promos. I would assume that with Extreme Rules creeping on up, that would at least be on the card. Um, Maximum Man. Charlotte on a pole match. <laughs> shit, don't we wish? Uh, shit, I'll be in that match. I'd watch Scarlet on a pole anything. I'd pay way more than four ninety nine. <laughs> He's heating up. <laughs> I'm dead right about now. You are crazy as fuck. Um, <laughs> Maximum Male Miles. Um, they come out with starting to cut the promo and Braun Strowman comes out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just not feeling this. Um, Maximum male miles to me has been a miss from the jump. I get it. They're supposed to be comedy. Their comedy is not hitting to me. Braun Strowman feels like uh, he's going back to being comedy to start until they figure out what the fuck they're going to do. Uh, Otis attacks Braun Strowman, but yeah, whatever. You know, good good on Otis. Maybe he can get a rub off of this in some form or fashion, but neither here nor there. Um, Raquel versus... I need, I need the fashion police. I need them to back a dump truck of money up to that's yeah. Prince Pretty and Dango's uh, like Malibu Estate, wherever they're living, and uh, just back up a potential full of money and say, we need you in here to get these maximum male models over. I was going to say, and we have brought that up before, and I, I still think that's an amazing fucking idea, but um, I'm thinking Fandango might be under contract with NWA. If that's the case, that's the problem. If not, like you said, beep, 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 beep. We need somebody to help these jokers out. It's just, it's... Looking them, looking at them in a school uniform, and I'm I'm sure Bill would have ate this up with a fucking spoon. I just I can't. I just I, I I'm not. I know I'm not even supposed to take them seriously, but I can't even look at you guys at this point. You know I want you to get your ass kind of kicked at this point. I can't. If they're, I understand they're going to be comedy, but it's just it's not comedy that reaches me, and ultimately that's the biggest problem with that. Thoughts on what about? Go ahead. Oh, 
was going to say, uh, I feel like the biggest part of the show, which I don't want to discount, the tag match of the main event was, was mm-hmm. awesome. It was super fun wrestling. Like, if you like good professional wrestling, like I would have loved to have been in the building for that match. It was a four-way tag, and it was phenomenal. Um, There's a lot of guys going all out. They even mentioned PWG on commentary. Yeah, I heard that. Is, I was like, what? Yeah, and this was, I mean, it wasn't a PWG match, but putting four premier tag teams in there and letting them go is, is very PWG, but uh, in the WWE But, um, you know, we got the tease for, for what is essentially Bray Wyatt, uh, 923. It looks like tomorrow night, uh, 923, September 23rd, uh, at 923 p.m., uh, we're going to get this uh, follow the, the White Rabbit, and looks like it's Bray Wyatt. What do you, what do you think? I, I don't know what to think to beer honestly um, I was down on, I guess it just depends on which Bray Wyatt we get I'm like I'm with Bill on this one I'd rather see the Tropic shirt from the Swamplands Bray Wyatt versus getting the Fiend if that makes sense um, I understand if you bring the Fiend back I do it makes total sense I get it it would it would be hard to deny that um, Firefly Funhouse wasn't a huge segment on WWE Raw in some form or fashion, even when, you know. Wait, please don't bring back the fiend, the unbeatable. Like, he killed Seth Rollins so bad that Seth Rollins hasn't held a singles title in three years. Okay, and now that's the reason why I don't necessarily want to see the fiend you know what i'm saying because it would be hard to get, bring him back and not have him be nearly as strong in ring if that makes unless sense. he's gonna squash goldberg and saudi in which case i'm all for it hell yeah i was about to say shit i'll i'll, I'll buy the ticket um that's why i kind of want to see bray wyatt over the fiend the bray wyatt has at least vulnerability you can ultimately make him the champion people are saying that that's why braun Strowman's back around i don't know I just, we've been hearing Bray Wyatt for so long. At this point, it's kind of like CM Punk. You know, I need to see it first before I can start even wrapping my head around it. It Obviously, it's possible. I mean, Triple H is back. You know, it, I think it, Bray and Triple H could have a nice working relationship. But like I said, for me, I need to see it first. And then from there, if he does come back, obviously, it's somebody else you can put against Roman Reigns down the line. Jason's from the Show Me State. You show him seven, he'll show you eight. I got to see it first, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I feel you. It, it is what Same it is. Um, Raquel Rodriguez and Bailey had a decent match. Um, obviously, uh, you had Damage Control beating down Raquel Rodriguez afterwards. Liv and Ronda Rousey with a decent backstage promo. Um, I said it before. I'll say it again. I'll let you jump on it after the, after I'm done. Liv Morgan needs this win bad, but it's hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that she's beaten Ronda Rousey twice, and now the third time is going to be an Extreme Rules match. I, I just, I, I'm glad I'm not, I don't have to pick this match right now because I would take away everything I just said and pick Ronda Rousey because especially in an Extreme Rules match, it would be hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that Liv Morgan would win that match. But the way they booked her since she's been champion, Liv kind of needs this dub. What what did you think about the backstage promo, and what do you think about the uh, an Extreme Rules match versus with Liv versus Ronda Rousey? 
I like the promo. I like that Liv comes across as strong because she correctly stated, at least in WWE kayfabe, she's like, I'm the only woman that's ever beat you twice. Mm. Um, so that that was cool. And But, I mean, if I had to book this match today, it wouldn't change. If I was booking it in a week for whatever Extreme Rules happens for two weeks, whenever that happens, it, it'd be the same. Like, uh, I fully expect Ronda Rousey to take this, this belt from her. Shayna Baszler is the wild card there. They keep flirting it or teasing it, flirting with it. I wouldn't be surprised, especially with a, a match with no rules involved. You can bring Shayna Baszler in, help her, help Ronda obviously uh, beat Liv, so that way you can protect Liv if you want to take the title off or just something else to kind of throw out there. Um, Solo Sokoa versus, uh, I was going to call him Riddick Moss, Madcap Moss. And a pretty good uh, match there. Uh, I guess there's another thing to talk about um, on Tuesday nights. Uh, NXT, I didn't watch it, unfortunately. But, um, well, unfortunately for those who watch NXT and, you know, want to talk about it, you'll have to wait until the suspended Bill Vega comes back next week to talk about NXT. Uh, just a brief thought about Soa Sokoa and the NXT. Oh, he's, he's North got America. plenty of time. We might have to do NXT do-overs after all, <laughs> all the shit. He's got time off during his suspension. Like, I mean, we called his workplace, too. He's, he's off of it. He's off there, too. He's, just, he's on leave. <laughs> you say, that you they did not like the fat shaming. Like, they, like, they did not like it. He, he's on leave, so he's got time. Say, why don't you take a couple plays off? Um, Soa Sokoa... Uh, was stripped, I guess, for lack of a better term, of, of the NXT North American I'm Championship. I'm fanning myself with a handkerchief over here. <laughs> he got stripped. <laughs> you shit. Stripped of the NXT Championship, or I'm sorry, the NXT North American Championship, so it's the cool was. So watching this match today felt a little, I guess, empty for the fact that I thought it was, you know, it was cool to have all the guys, all the Samoan uh, members of the bloodline with championships and poor Sami Zayn, you know, just trying to fit in so bad, you know, just want to hang out with the cool kids. You know, he's down for the cause, but he's the only one that doesn't have a championship. And I love the fact that if you either went that way, just like we said last week, fancy book is Sami Zayn's going after every championship possible, you know, trying to be, you know, down with the cool kids and he gets his championship too. I thought this was a good match. Did you, uh, thoughts on the match? Sorry, I had a long time taking myself off mute. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see it. I've been watching um, SmackDown and Raw uh, fairly religiously since the transition uh, on Hulu uh, because it, uh, you get the full SmackDown show, but it also gives you an abbreviated version of the Raw show, which is great because three hours is a lot. But I will say I watched the Raw from last week, and they did one of the abbreviated things. They did not give me Johnny Gargano versus Chad Gable, and I was very mad about that. So um, it can be a bummer, but it is at least not three hours. But no, I, I didn't get to watch any of this. I, I did follow up, but uh, you know, with it, I'm I'm, I'm aware of what what happened. Right, but, right. Uh, yeah, I didn't get to see anything. All right, and uh, SmackDown's main event. Uh, obviously, you had a, a fatal four way winner goes on to face the Usos. Uh, I believe it's tomorrow night. SmackDown uh, would assume it's their main event. Uh, New Day versus Brawl and Broods versus Imperium versus Hit Row. Uh, I agree with Tubier on this one. This is a really good tag team match overall. Um, I was kind of rooting for Imperium just because I like Imperium now as now they're a trio uh, with 
uh, I can't think of what his new name is, but uh, Fabian Eichner coming back, I think was, uh, you know, the kind of the missing piece for Imperium to be like that, you know, that tag team, that unit that I like to see that I grew up, grew up with that I saw on uh, uh, NXT or whatever the case may be. But Brawl and Brutes end up coming out with the dub. I'm not sure if we're seeing a minor face turn here or what's going on. Obviously, they'll be positioned against the Bloodline and the Usos for the tag titles. Like I said, I believe it's tomorrow night. That's why I kind of think you might see the Brawling Brutes in a possible Survivor Series War Games down the line. Time will tell. Let's jump over to Raw real quick. We opened up Raw with Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley for the U.S. title. I thought this was a really solid match. Um, I just I kind of wanted to see Lashley win clean, but obviously you had Matt Rill come out causing the distraction to help Bobby Lashley to retain the title. Not the end of the world, but like I said, for me, I would love to see Lashley beat Seth Rollins clean because Seth Rollins is, you know, one of, if it's not Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins is probably, to me, the most over guy in WWE, at least on the men's side. I'm, you know, I'm not going going with the women. You know, that's another discussion entirely. Uh, I'll just stick it to stick with the men on this one. I love Seth Rollins. This to me has been his best gimmick he's had so far on Raw, on in WWE in general, whether it's Raw or SmackDown. And I was kind of just hoping that the, the little Seth Rollins love could get uh, Bobby Lashley over even more. But neither here nor there. Like I said, solid match. KO in theory was another solid match. KO really starting to lean in towards the babyface side of things. Him and Johnny Gargano are going to have a match next week versus uh, Theory and Chad Gable, I believe. Um, Street Profits, Brawl and Brutes, I thought was a really good match. Uh, Raw was, was, to me, different than normal Raws because, especially with Monday night and two football games, I thought they did a really good job of keeping it short and sweet with you know, backstage promos and segments and was really focused on the wrestling this week. Brawling Brutes like I said, versus Street Profits, like I said, that was a good match. Brawling Brutes go over. No tease of another of a Street Profits uh, breakup, but time will tell with that. Judgment Day had a pretty good uh, segment. I had to laugh with Dominic talking about, you know, hey guys, I got to go back and make sure my dad's okay. Just kidding. <laughs> I was like, okay, see, that's why people want to kick and see Dominic get his ass handed to him for shit like that. Dominic, he I, traded in this puppy for a mommy. Okay, I love the fact that Rhea Ripley is like the the voice in Dom's ear, being the femme fatale, if you will, just leading Dom down a bad path. Um, Rhea Ripley Dom- made me feel feelings I didn't know I had on a weekly basis. Dominic and Rhea Ripley, I think, is a, is a really good parent. I thought, I said it for a while, I thought Dom needed to flip heel and go against his father for a little bit. And I think in the long run, this is going to help him be, you know, be a more complete wrestler. I just think right now, fans didn't necessarily like Dom when he was next to Ray, and now you've just given them a reason to Dude, boo the dog shit out of him. Go ahead. You got a Dom you got a sub that's named Dom right. with daddy issues. Okay. Brazzers couldn't write a better script. <laughs> this, 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 I, I'm surprised this feud is... He's heating up! Dan, Danny D. Oh, you ain't shit. That is fucking ridiculous. True story, though. That that That's what I think the... For me, the appeal is, is that 
Rhea is pulling all the strings. Judgment Day has has come a long way since the, the Vince era, and that's only like six weeks ago. So I'll let you uh, decide if Triple H is doing a good job or not. Ms. TV had Dexter Loomis on it, which was a huge surprise. That turns out to be a big uh, schmoz where you had whack-a-mole with um, – Champa hitting Dexter Loomis coming out of the inside of the ring. At some point, we're gonna, I need to see a match with these two guys. I get it. You know, Dexter's stalking the shit out of Miz. Nobody wants to say why. I don't, I don't even need, I don't think we need a reason why, to be perfectly honest. And I honestly, it, as fun as these segments are, I can't imagine a worse match in history than the Miz versus Dexter Loomis. I mean, dude, uh, like Yano versus Doc Gallows is going to be seven times better than whatever that match will be. It's just a terrible match. But the TV before the match is very entertaining. God, you said Yano versus Doc Gallows. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Now, I, I can't say I disagree with you. The reason why I said I wanted to see this match is so we could do it and move along. Main event you on. Know what, you Go- know what Dexter Loomis versus The Miz is? It's every time you uh, had a bad dream and you're trying to fight off a serial killer stalking you but you feel like you're fighting underwater that's exactly what the Miz versus Dexter Loomis is going to look like because Miz looks like he wrestles underwater and Dexter Loomis is just a nightmare and anything that's not just character related so it's a personification of your worst nightmare. That's what that match is. No, it, it would not be a good match. I, you know, and I'm not going to sit up here and, and say it's going to be a five star classic by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm over Dexter Dexter Loomis yet, but I'm at the point where now you know, stalking Miz has been fun, but you know, let's stalk somebody else and, and move along because if that's going to be your thing. Then you know you need to terrorize you know the whole roster when it comes to. And least. if you're going to stalk anybody in that relationship, it should be Maurice. I mean, I'm sorry that was creepy, but yeah, it's accurate. Yeah, yeah, you said it. I did. <laughs> uh, main event on Raw for Monday night. We had the ladies closing the show. Bailey versus uh, Alexa Bliss. Um, I, I'm not sure what to say about this. It, this was okay as far as I'm concerned. Um, Alexa doesn't do anything for me, and I think that's kind of really. I'll, I'll say this. Oh, you mean by as a wrestler? No, as as a wrestler, you know. Okay, okay. No, I I, like, no, really she's, no she's no, she's she does a lot for me. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, let's be real for thirty seconds. Of course, she yeah, does. Like on a forty-eight hour basis. Yeah, she, she I was about to say. Yeah, I, I like to take that car around for a, a test drive for thirty seconds. That being said. When her and Bray Wyatt were linked up, and that kind of was, I think it was my last year's worst uh, angle of the year in uh, our beef awards, it kind of fucked her up in my head. And then she went away for a little bit. Now she's back. She kind of feels like she and Oscar, for that matter, they're, you know, Bianca's sidekicks until Becky comes back. I just right now it just doesn't feel like there's you know a place for Alexa Bliss. I know I'm not going to take away all the things that they, they had her do in the past. You know what I'm saying? You know, championships aside, money in the banks aside, can't take that away. Just right now for me, this match didn't feel like a main event match. It felt like Bailey should have gone over, and obviously she did. Then after the not match, to, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're not presenting. They're they're not presenting Alexa. It's like a she's not like in the title picture right now. It, which is weird, but I totally get you. Yeah, she's like 
if you're picking like four women or if you're looking at four women, which is like the title holders and the title contenders, she's not one of them right now. Right. And I was going to say not typical for her. Oscar kind of feels like the same way more. So more and more as an afterthought week after week, I'm like, God, you know, Ronda Rousey needs to win the title. So that way we have a heel champion. So you, you can have some of these, you know, baby face contenders going after, you know, the heel champion. Um, it just didn't feel like a main event ultimately. You know, Bailey calls her shot. It's going to be her and Bianca at Extreme Rules. So you have both women's titles on the line coming up here in a few, a few weeks. That ultimately was the match that I kind of wanted to see. You know, like I said, you know, in previous pods past, that Bailey was the one that was building Bianca up before she got hurt. And, you know, we kind of, you know, belabor the fact that every time Bianca Belair has kind of been in a feud, you know, the opposing person has either gotten hurt beforehand or got hurt during. So it's kind of, you know, stunted her momentous rise, even though it hasn't really stunted. I mean, if right now it's for me, she's the top woman in WWE hands down. It's not even close. Um, for that matter, her and Bailey, this feels like a year in the making. So hopefully they can pull off something at uh, Extreme Rules to kind of, you know, f- at least for me, kind of, you know, satiate the fact that I've been waiting a year for this. And, you know, you have a good match on the, the Extreme Rules show. No, yeah. I'm just, yeah, I, I feel you. Uh, anything else, WWE? Uh, talked about Logan Paul, talked about Survivor Series, blah, blah, blah. Um, I can't think of anything for next week coming up. I didn't write what was going to happen. So, yeah, we can close that out. Let's get to that three count. So the three count, we're going to talk a little New Japan. Obviously, we haven't talked New Japan in a little bit since the G1 closed its doors, but... I obviously have been watching New Japan. Uh, it hasn't been time for the boys to start watching New Japan, but it might be time to start watching that right now because we got a couple of uh, big matches coming up. Uh, we could talk about one of three matches. Uh, actually, because I'm looking at it, let's start with the one that's going to come this Monday. Well, not, not this Monday morning. This morning, depending on where you are, you're going to have in the main event, uh, the House of Torture. In this case, it will be Evil Show and... Yujiro Takahashi versus Chaos in the form of Yoshihashi, Yo, and Goto for the never six man open weight championships. Chaos being the champions. I haven't seen, well, I shouldn't say I haven't seen because they haven't had a show since uh, the last Corrigan Hall show where they had certain spots that could openly cheer. I haven't, they haven't had a show since that. So I'm kind of curious in this scenario, if we're going to have more open cheering, if we do house of torture is going to get booed out the building. And that's the one thing I'm hoping for to, to see. Number one, number two, obviously I want to see chaos win cause your boy can't stand house of torture. Did you happen to see any of the shows that had the cheering crowds to beer? Uh, I did. The last show that I watched uh, had cheering crowds. Um, Man, I can't even remember what it was. Um, But I was thrilled to hear it. And from what I understand, based on uh, Observer Newsletter stuff that I've read, that uh, New Japan will continue to have cheering sections, but they are like keeping keeping it um, from being a full cheering crowd. You can buy tickets with a cheering section, and then I think the majority of the tickets are still mask on. No cheering, um, 
just because Japanese are slower to accept change and they're not like, Yahoo, let's go to the rodeo. Um, God bless them for it. I'll say motherfuckers yeah. around here that didn't get two fucks. <laughs> I'll say yeah. mask. What you mean mask? But no, like, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I did get a chance and I love Tanahashi's promo afterwards where he broke down crying. Oh. He's the greatest baby face in history. He's just doing a promo talking about how great it was to hear the fans cheer again after three years. And he's just in tears. And dude, like, I know we're talking about like Chris Jericho being, being the goat and his pedigree. Cause he's been all over the business. Uh, whereas Tanahashi has just been strictly new Japan, but they're, they're like neck and neck for me. Like Tanahashi is just, he's one of the greatest wrestlers ever in history. And he, I mean, Ultimate baby face. I mean, I, I feel like you got to go back to like Ricky Steamboat to get anybody. Mm-hmm. You got to go back that far. Uh, otherwise, Tanahashi is the ultimate baby face of our generation. It's it's, it's bonkers how great he is. But anyway, uh, yeah, I I'm stoked that New Japan's getting some cheering because it it we see this in the American side uh, where the larger crowds, the cheering crowds, the hot crowds, they're the ones that give us the entertaining television, the entertaining matches that that. Crowd heat can just make or break, make or break a match. It, it's that's just that's the nature of the business. No, I, I was going to say it, and, and I know I've poo pooed it in the past, and I've always said that you know, New Japan especially for me personally, it's always been you know about the storyline, the matches. You know, the the a quiet crowd didn't necessarily you know bother me that much or take away from the match that much, at least personally for me, if if at all. You know, more times than not. I'm so engrossed into the match, you know, it would take like an atomic bomb or some shit to, you know, wake me out of that uh, slumber. That said, I will admit having the crowd singing uh, Suzuki's uh, theme song, I totally forgot about the crowd chanting Naito's name before he came out. You know, it was the little shit that fans do in New Japan that, a, I took for granted, and B, I forgot about that once they started to do it right before this typhoon happened, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. And it just it made it a totally different feel for New Japan. That's why I was saying a couple weeks ago that New Japan is back. If they want to just do cheering sections and not an entire crowd, I mean, hell, that those last two shows they had, those were some of the loudest crowds. I think I've heard the hot man, even when, you know, you had an entire, you know, arena that could cheer. Those two last two uh, shows they had were hot shows. Uh, I think it was ELP and, um, oh, ELP and uh, Ishimori versus uh, Shingo and uh, Takahashi in one main event. And then you had, uh, Jonah and Shane Haste, Yano and uh, Okada in the, the match beforehand. So he had back-to-back shows or whatever. I believe both were in Kerrigan Hall. Kerrigan Hall just lost their goddamn minds. Like I said, the whole ramble about this was about House of Torture. If they're going to still have cheering sections, House of Torture is going to get railed on. I can't wait for Jay White to come back and, you know, call some shit. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I would I poo pooed the fact that there wasn't cheering crowds, but especially with New Japan, you already have a hot fucking match more times than not. Imagine if you'd have had you know 
Shingo and Osprey with people that were actually allowed to cheer, or when uh, Jonah came off the top rope and splashed Okada. You know, you you heard the audible gasp when that shit. They were happened. already cheering like un- involuntarily. Right, you know what I'm saying? When he jumped off the top, I was just like, "Oh, he's getting ready to splash!" Oh shit, he just splashed Okada. God damn. So I mean, that's the stuff I'm looking forward to. Moving on. On the 25th of September, I'm assuming, once again, this will be the main event. You will have one David Finley, who was a major surprise in the G1, one of the guys that we had a lot of discussion about, how he basically pushed Will Ospreay to the brink, even though Will Ospreay did eventually win the D block. He will uh, will face Will Ospreay for the IWGP U.S. Championship match. On uh, December 25th, that I'm assuming, like I said, that should be the main event there. Thoughts on a Will Ospreay versus David Finley title match? Well, it'll be super solid. They're both, <laughs> Will Ospreay might be the best wrestler right now. I mean, I don't I'm know if you have the PWI but... 500. He ain't that great. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. If you're, if you're not the PWI, uh, but you could make an argument uh, that he's the best living wrestler right now. And, you know, he's approaching his prime. Uh, so, and David Finley is an amazing worker. Um, he just lacks the charisma to be like a top star. Uh, so this will, this will be a good match. And it's already got a built-in story. Um, I think it's perfectly worthy to make him at a Japan show. And I, I'm excited to see it. Then on the 10th, you will have the long-awaited match, now a title match versus with Jay White as the champion versus Tama Tonga as the next challenger. Obviously, Tomatonga beat Jay White in the final night of the G1 to win the B block, stopping Jay White's undefeated streak in the block. So now you have a match set up with one Tomatonga versus Jay White. Um, for me, and I, I know I've said this before in the past, and you know, sorry for regurgitating this, but this is kind of for me the the zenith, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, for what I thought Tama Tonga could actually be at some point when the Tongans turned on the elite bullet club, whatever you want to call them at that point. I kind of said at that point, I thought that Tama Tonga would be leading this new group of Tonga factions. This would have, you know, obviously had back of Fale. You brought Haku back. You know, you have, you would have Hikaleo as another heavy, you know, young heavy that would be up and coming. So you had some, before the bloodline, there was going to be, you know, this bullet club faction led by Tama Tonga. And I was thinking maybe one day Tama Tonga could be the IWGP champion. I thought a lot of his, you know, in-ring skills to maybe run the whole company. Well, now fast forward, October 10th is his chance to take the title off Jay White. I don't think he's going to do it. Tubir, what you think? Nah, uh, I mean, I think I think he's a great challenger, and I'm all behind Tomatonga, but uh, that ain't it. Like you know, uh, him as your top guy right now, it's just it's just not the way. Um, especially with American television and stuff, and you know, New, New Japan is uh, it's not hot right now. Um, you know, it, it's still really good, but it certainly ain't what it was three years ago, and it's just not the hottest promotion right now. Um, you know, it's it's number three by all objective measures. Um, you know, what's one. Um, I mean, one is WWE just because it's WWE. It's a monolith. 
and it's doing well right now. Uh, and number two is AW. You know, just from objective measure. Six and, months ago, uh, six months ago, what would we? What would have it been? Uh, probably, probably exactly the same. Just because you still the, think st- even in Vince's raid, WWE was the better product. Oh, I don't say it was the better product. I just mean it was the most profitable one. Oh you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. No, yeah. I'm not talking about. Pro- oh yeah, WWE no. is never going to be overshadowed in the in the means of profits they they like cm punk say they they can print money that's not to me the issue i guess yeah and and also like i mean it wasn't the hottest though as far as like just look at the time that we would commit to each i think if you look at our podcast uh just based on our preferences and stuff if you look at the time that we would dedicate to each promotion uh wwe for uh, a couple of years there, a few years, uh, was relegated to odds and ends a lot mm, of time. Yeah. So, no, no doubt, no doubt. But now kind of New Japan is in that, you know, they just need, they need a resurgence. They're, they're just, they're not as hot. Like, if, you know, if they come over here, I would happily buy a ticket, but the shows would not be nearly as busy as, um, you know, their Cow Palace show, you know, Cold Lovers versus Young Bucks or any of that kind of stuff. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't draw nearly as much. Um, they're just not the hottest. They're still they're still fantastic. It's kind of sad actually, but uh, you know all things can ebb and flow. I'll I'll kind of push back on that a little bit. At least you know Forbidden Door I think is you know it was one of those mega events. It was the first time, so it was going. I think it was just going to draw regardless. You know what I'm saying? It it, it had been borderline impossible, even with guys getting hurt or whatever the case may be. The fact that you would have a crossover show with. New Japan and AEW talent on the same show. I just, I just think it was just going to draw. Now the Windy City Riot was in a much smaller venue, and you know, shout out to my wrestling world shaver high five time. He he'll attest to this. That Joker was you know packed to the gills. Ooh shit to the point where there you know there were people standing at certain points because the, there was no seats available. So I mean I get what you're saying. It's not it's not like it was for us as the pod where you know we would lead off with New Japan if it wasn't G1 season or you know something along those lines. You know it, typically you know especially when we talked about New Japan a lot, it would be in the one count versus being the in the odds and ends. I'll agree with you on that, but. Like I said, for me, I think there's still that hardcore base like myself. Now, like you and uh, Bill always like to talk about, for them to expand, they need to do other things. And that's where, you know, the pandemic and other things along those lines has kind of hurt them. In I the, think, in I think the we need to blame BFR Bill for a lot of this. If he keeps recommending all these dudes to the G one, <laughs> waters down the product so much. I think I think it's really. And I think we need to tack on some time to his suspension and really make him like uh, just do some penance for so what for all these additions another, to the G one. Another what? Another two, three weeks? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll do the, I'll do it up to like when my birthday comes around, and then at that point, you know, I'm gonna have to pass the stick. So I mean, that's you know another four eight weeks so we're, we're at we're tacking on another yeah, seven well, weeks. how long's like a normal g1 last <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know that's at least a month you know maybe five weeks i mean fuck it sorry bill you you can sit on the bench for another four weeks i'll i don't mind driving the car a little bit i'm actually starting to get good at this shit um just one last <laughs> thought about uh new japan uh i know we had said that 
Okada and Jonah were going to wrestle. I believe it's the the 15th or somewhere subsequently thereafter. Jay White and uh, Tomatago are going to wrestle. That match, even though the briefcase isn't being carried by Okada, that match is for the right to wrestle Jay White for Wrestle Kingdom. So I don't want to sit here and make that match seem irrelevant because I'm assuming it's going to be one of the, uh, the last shows on the uh the burning spirits tour i don't want to make that match to seem irrelevant just because okada is not carrying the briefcase doesn't mean that the right for wrestle kingdom isn't on the line it is but like i said okada is not wearing the briefcase jonah obviously beats okada at the g1 does jonah have obviously jonah has a chance they're not going to pull the trigger and and take away okada versus jay white at wrestle kingdom right Oh, um, no, uh, -uh. not at all. Uh, this is definitely the, Okada's the play for a Tokyo Dome, especially you're doing one night, you know, you're not playing around with a, with a incidental first night and then another second night. Like you're trying to sell out the Tokyo Dome and actually really sell it out. You're going to have, uh, Okada versus Jay White. I would think so too, especially with, Wrestle Kingdom going back to one night. I would, if it was two nights, then you you could play with it and you know extend it like they've done in uh, in the past and have two championship matches. Um, I was kind of hoping there would be two nights again because I think uh, whoever the, the junior heavyweight champion is, whether it's uh, Ishimori or Takahashi, Despy, Kushida's back, but now obviously hurt. Um, He'll be in the mix, I would assume, by the time January comes back around. I would like to see that be um, the other main event, not unless, you know, Brian Danielson decides he, he wants to come over to Japan and uh, hang out for a, a couple of days to start the new year, new year off the right way and, you know, put a big-ass smile on my face. He can come over to Wrestle Kingdom for 2023. What the fuck? Um I would like. I still like to see it in two nights, but I can get. I understand why it's one night, especially if you're trying to still be, like you said, careful with COVID and COVID restrictions in Japan. One night sounds about right. You know, make it a three, four hour show, wrap it up, call it a night. Yep, I agree. All right, and on that lovely note, that is the three count. Um. No odds and ends this week. I, I think we kind of touched on a little bit of the odds and ends as we went along. Obviously, I'm not doing birthdays because I'm not looking like no goddamn fool this week. And plus, I don't know how to find out the birthdays in uh, wrestling anyway. I, you know, I'll, I'll let the big guy do all that good shit. This is banned from ringside. So usually on nights like tonight when I take over the pod... I like to close the show with a parting thought of some sort. Any parting thought of by choosing, obviously, two beer will get a, a turn on the mic since I'm just springing on them. I will go first. Um, my parting thought is just about the the podcast itself. Um, obviously, I want the pod to be is big as humanly possible you know if god was to grant me the one wish of a four or five one of those four or five wishes would be to have the podcast be the way that 
would be my way of life. You know, you could, you would pay me for wrestling, watching wrestling and talking about it and all that other good stuff. But every now and then there is a time where a message comes across or someone, you know, DMs the, uh, the band from ringside Twitter handle or something along those lines that appreciate the band from ringside podcast for what it is. Now I tried to play this last week and I didn't get a chance to play it last week because I didn't have the Bluetooth, but this is one of those times where I kind of appreciate being a part of this podcast because you never know where your fans come from. So give me 30 seconds. Well, hello there. This is Alice Coquito, C-O-Q-U-I-T-O all the way from Puerto Rico founding member, co-founding member of the PUWF, which is the podcast for underappreciated wrestling fans. I wanted to say I'm a first-time caller, messenger, I guess, and long-time listener. You guys have been awesome listening to you guys since 2019 when the racist jokes was just the perfect amount and you were really crapping on two beers, Zach Pullman, and Zach Pullman was on fire. Either way, thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the com- comprehensive results of New Japan, Impact, and everything else. Check us out on Twitch, Alice Coquito 787 a L E X C O Q U I T O seven eight seven and Ricky Reactions on YouTube. I'm the only one that does promo Joe, so keep keep keep. Plus kicking it with Ross. Stay healthy and happy. Now I like to think that, you know, bad from ring size is this huge fucking thing, and I know it's not. I mean, I would be a fool to think otherwise, but I never thought in a million years that we'd have people listening in Puerto Rico. So shout out to Alex Coquito. Thanks for uh, sending me that message. Thanks for sending us that message. Thanks for listening to the pod. And like I always say, listen, share, subscribe, repeat. That way we can get more people in Puerto Rico to listen to the pod. Two beer, final thoughts, closing thoughts. Give me some good. I uh, wish I had something profound for you, but I don't. Uh, I will say I couldn't. I'm hear. not asked for some profound motherfucker. Just, you know, I, I couldn't hear the message. So maybe play it back. Make sure that the listeners can hear it just because I couldn't. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but um, just a just a heads up. And uh, I'll yeah, go back uh, after we're done. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, summer is over. Fall is here. It's my favorite time of year. Uh, best beers, fresh hop, Oktoberfest, best weather, hoodies, horror movies, lots of candy. Uh, Star Wars Andor just released on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I'm having a fucking fantastic time. And just want to express that there's some positivity uh, out there because, um, you know, we're all going to die like super earlier than we should. Uh, so, um, yeah, enjoy it while, while, while you got it. Find the things you love for me. That's what it is. And uh, it's pumpkin pie from Costco. It's five ninety nine. It's really good. See, you do act like you didn't have anything <laughs> profound to say. Get the fuck up out of here. How's the uh, the new Star Wars uh, series going? I know they put out like three on Wednesday. Is that right? Yep. I'm actually after the pod. Uh, I already texted my kids. Uh, they're inside. And I said, gear this shit up because we're watching it. Um, they don't have school tomorrow. Um, I don't know why teachers institute, whatever. Um, they know school. So we're staying up all night. We're watching all three episodes, making it happen, but, uh, it's got great reviews and I am stoked about it. It looks fantastic. It, I feel like it's what star Wars needs is like, uh, some, some kind of show that's like grounded in some realism. Um, and that doesn't necessarily involve Jedi, uh, or the Skywalker family. So, um, 
I am I'm stoked. Uh, Rogue One ruled. Yeah, yeah I was Rogue just going to say I, I was a really big. I, I feel like I was one of the few that actually like Rogue One a lot. To me, it was one of the the oh, better. It's, it's one of the best Star Wars movies. Yeah, I the, mean, like it's in the top three of just like Star Wars movies. Yeah, like, it's that good. I'm talking prequels, the whole shebang. I mean, Empire yeah. to me is is to me the one. But Rogue One is in that, you know, top half of all the Star Wars movies ever made. Yep, I'm with you. So, yeah, uh, that's what that's what I'm doing. I just, just crashed this beer. And, uh, yeah, uh, thank you for hanging out for the last couple hours. And uh, I hope BFR Bill gets some healing done. <laughs> Rabbit fever. Oh, shit. Uh, I know there's plenty of podcasts out there. Thank you for listening to ours. For Vice, for Jubilee Zach Coleman, for myself, JCB, for the suspended Bill Vakey, for Gucci Chris, for Patriot Pat, for Murray the Murray Man Murray. Uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. Don't forget everybody. Support your local drug dealers. Support your local restaurants. Black Lives Matter. Uh, shout out to my cats, Billy and Lucifer. They're real quiet. I got to go find them. And always remember, boo the motherfucking heels. Boo!